With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, what's shaking, Red Nation? Welcome to another episode of The Dream Take, presented by The Dream Shake. Jeremy Brenner here, and tonight, all good things must come to an end. Rockets today, one, or excuse me, sorry, 123-114. You know, the streak ends at seven today, and it's a disappointing loss simply because they had a chance to win this one. But my co-pilot, Michael Brown, and I, we've got a lot of good to take away from this game as well. Hey, bud. How are you? Man, you know, it's it's a sucky loss. I did not like this loss. But yeah. I think, I think um, you have to put into consideration the fact that they played the defending champs, a really good team, and gave them a lot of hell and ultimately fell short. Yeah, they did. Um, there's a couple things I want to get to specifically that I was not happy about tonight, especially in the, in the fourth quarter rotation wise, but overall you just went toe to toe with the champs. You, you can't, you can't understate that. 
You know, in, in this, in the last eight games, the Rockets are seven and one. They've beaten, what is it? The second and third seed in the East took the overall number one seed to the end of the earth tonight. Like the, the Rockets have nothing to be ashamed for in this game. Nothing. They played their ass off tonight. And I couldn't be more proud of them as a whole. Now there's certain things we got to talk about, but I, I'm not, I'm not upset with the performance tonight by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. You know, every time there's a loss, you, there is some things that you want to look at and there are some things that you want to explore. And I think tonight, if I had to point to maybe why the Rockets lost this game, they didn't have a, they didn't have an answer for Giannis. I mean, but then again, who does? Who has an answer for the Greek Greek? Nobody has been able to answer that. Not in the finals last year. And still, no one really has an answer for how you defend Giannis. It's 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 incredibly difficult. But the Rockets, you know, they gave up well, he had like 40 points tonight, right? 41, 17, and five. Like yeah. the Rockets just don't have they tried a, a boatload of guys on him tonight to defend. Uh they tried with Wood, they tried with Tate, they tried with um you know, Shengun for a little bit. They like with Gordon even, like, but there's just no stopping the Greek freak. See, I I agree with you, but I think that the Rockets ultimately lost, not because of what Giannis did tonight. I actually think it's the opposite. I think it's that they let the secular guys beat them like they did. Like go down the list. You let Middleton score 21. Drew Holiday kicked in 12. Bobby Portis was a monster with 21. And then guys like, don't don't even sit, please do not say that Grayson Allen is a good player because he's not. Grayson Allen sucks. I don't care what anybody says. He sucks. Uh, Pat Connaughton, nice player, 16 points. Like that's where you. That's where the Rockets ultimately lost the game. But that's the that's the thing about the Bucks though is the reason why the Bucks went from you know pretender to contender oh, is God. because. Yeah is because they were able to get those ancillary guys, those secondary guys that you mentioned, and those secondary guys would be primary guys on most teams. So yep. it, it's so you can't just double Giannis because then you're leaving Middleton open or you're leaving uh, Connickton open or you're leaving uh, you know Bobby Portis open. And you yep. know sometimes you have to pick your poison, and the Rockets tonight, there was just too much poison to choose from. And – you know, that's that's ultimately why the Bucks are so good is because you can't double Giannis. Like the other day against the Nets, you're able to double Harden because there's no Durant out there. But because you only had Harden out there, they doubled Harden every time. And then you let, you know, you let like David Duke beat you or you let uh, Paul Millsap beat you. And the Rockets are able to beat a team like that. They're able to beat a Paul Millsap and David Duke led team. But Tonight, when you got, you know, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and, you know, Bobby Portis, it's not as easy. Yeah, you make a great point. And it's just tough because tonight, just throwing this out there before I forget it, Jay Sean Tate has got to stop talking to the refs. He's got to stop talking. Dude, just play, man. Like, you're so much fun to watch. But it's it's annoying as a fan to just watch you every single time. Throw your hands up, go to the ref, like just play the game, man. I don't know. I don't. I'm not annoyed by it. I think it's. I, I think it's just him. No, I, 
I think it's him, but I think that's part of the problem is they're so likable right now. The Rockets are stuff like that'll just rub people the wrong way. That's all. The other thing I want to ask you about how in the world does Shangun only play 16 minutes? Because Christian Wood got to play the rest. I, yeah, but not playing him He's at not, all. In the yeah, fourth. like not playing him at all in the fourth is inexcusable in my eyes. Well, maybe. It's the, the thing with Shangun is, and he played he played really well tonight, and he deserves his, his flowers and all of that. But I think in turn, like you you wanted down the stretch, you had a chance to win. Your best position to win was to put Wood out there. Yeah. And and I, and putting Wood and Shangun on the floor together would not have been your best five simply because they would have gassed you on the on on the offensive end just the thing with shangun there's two things about his game that once he fixes sky's the limit for him foul one trouble. is his conditioning yeah and the other is his foul trouble yeah so and that and that will come through time like shangun tonight proved that he can beat some of the best defenders in the game, like Bobby Portis is a is a plus defender, and he was able to go toe to toe with him. And I think it just it just proves tonight, like all of the things that we've seen from Shangun that we're eventually gonna get um, from him down the line. I'm really excited about his progress and and what he can be for this team moving forward. I think he's gonna be. I think there's a, I think there's a world in which he's you know the guy. In yeah. His- I think I want to touch on one thing you just said, though, is that if you can't play Shangun and Wood together, the Rockets have a massive problem. Yes, they do. And the I mean, thing, massive problem. But I, I don't, I don't think case, that though. I don't think that that is their I don't think that they want that, you know, long time. I think what they've seen is Christian Wood has had a lot of success as the primary big is the only big. And they don't want to necessarily throw that away. I think, I think maybe they they want to, you know, they eventually want to turn it into that. But also at the same time, as wait, well, wait, sorry, turn it put, into what? Like the co big? Yeah, I, I think eventually okay. they they will put lineups out there where where they're both playing together. And they've they've done that very little. I don't I don't know how like it's it's definitely happened before, but it's not it's not very often. But I think tonight with um, with Shangun, another thing too is if you play Wood and Shangun together, who is the big in the second unit? Are you gonna put Tice out there? I think I think right now. I mean, I think to answer your question, the answer is yes. I think what the Rockets should be doing right now, and I think they have done it because they have to. This is a year where you try stuff like that out you've got to know by the end of the season and the season is still young but you have to know what works and what doesn't work like yes you, you have to know if wood and shangun can play together especially with a lot can. of those bigs at the top of the draft yeah and i think that this would have been a game i think i was most disappointed by the fact that tonight would have been a perfect night to see what a wood shangun pairing looks like because the other team the bucks were going with that massive lineup like when you run middleton Portis and Giannis out there. That's a massive lineup. 
compared to what you usually go up against. I think that lineup would have worked for the Rockets tonight. But so it was a little time, disappointing to not see it. Yeah, at the, at the same time as well, the strategy to beat the Bucks because they're so big is you got to shoot. And that's why the Rockets yeah. were winning for most of this game. And that's why put Garrison Matthews up there. It's why you put Armani Brooks up there. It's why – and those guys got those opportunities. Um, but if you put Shangun out there – and I'm not saying that Shangun isn't, uh, you know, isn't a great shooter. I mean – he he's a good shooter and he's a capable shooter, but if you you can't put out your best three point lineup and have Wood and Shangun out there because yeah. you need spacing to get as many open looks as you possibly can. And tonight they weren't able to do that. And that's that's the thing about the Rockets though is is tonight that's what worked when they were playing in transition when they were playing their brand of fast basketball they were able to. You know, they were able to build a lead. But when the game got to the half court, it, at the end, the Bucks thrive in the half court. Yeah. They D up, and the Rockets didn't have much of an answer for that. So, yes, maybe in, hinds- in hindsight, in that half court, you know, in that half court offense, maybe it wouldn't, Shangun would work. But that is also contrary to what the vision of the Rockets offense is all about. The Rockets offense is all about fast, get open looks at at the three-point line, get open looks down low, and Shangun doesn't necessarily fit that yet. He needs to he needs to work on his conditioning. And I think playing six, 16 minutes tonight, high volume minutes where he was getting a lot of looks and he is having to post up on Bobby Portis. I don't know if his conditioning was up to up to par. And yeah, I think I, that's why Silas didn't go to him. Yeah, and I think the next development, you talk about the Rockets brand of basketball. What makes it seem like Milwaukee just so good is that they can beat you. There's not a Milwaukee way of basketball, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's a, they can beat you in the half court. They can beat you in the running gun. The Rockets right now can beat teams in the running gun. With the current roster, they cannot beat you enough in the half court to make it viable. And the the thing with having, I would have liked to have seen tonight, what the Rockets needed to do from about seven and a half minutes left in the fourth, they had to slow it down. They had to figure out a way. And that's what Shengun can do is he can slow it down. You can drop it into him in the post and he can just back his guy down, back his guy down. Now, get to the free throw line. He was only three of six from the free throw line. He's got to improve that aspect of his game as well. But that's the next development of this Rockets roster. They have to learn how to win in the half court. Disappointing loss tonight for sure, but nothing to sneeze at tonight. Fans who look at this, they're up in arms about Shangun not playing and this sucks. And, you know, Silas, you know, again, doesn't know what he's doing. Stupid. He should have played, but I'm not going to hold it against him. The Rockets are seven and one in their last eight games. Like we're fine. I think we're yeah, in a think, very good spot. I think this, I think the, the real test for this team is, you know, the last time they lost, they lost 15 in a row. Let's try yeah. to see. They need to get back up suit quicker. And it sucks because tomorrow night against Memphis, a team that didn't play tonight. So we're on a back-to-back having to travel. They were home on Thursday they're coming off of a win. They're playing some of their best basketball right now. The schedule is not favoring the Rockets for tomorrow 
Um, but and they the thing is, the Rockets don't have a lot of downtime in these next couple of days. They got Saturday at Memphis, then they got Monday. Um, who do they play Monday? They got like they they play Monday again. I think it's against Atlanta. Um, and then yeah, Atlanta Monday, Wednesday Cleveland, Thursday New York. So that's one, two, three, four, five. That's four games in the next six nights for the Rockets. It's going to be a quick turnaround. They need to step up to the plate and yeah. not let this become a trend, a skid, a losing streak. Yeah, I think winning tomorrow, while I would have loved for them to have won tonight, if you would have asked me before this game started, would I rather them win the game tonight or tomorrow? I say win tomorrow. It's not even a question in my I mean, I'd like for them to win every game, but it's... No, for sure. But which one would you rather them win? I mean... If you had to choose one. I would pick this one, to be honest. See, I would pick the Grizzlies for the simple fact that it's a conference... lost them before? It's a conference opponent. They not only lost to them before, they got embarrassed by them before. Yeah. And the Rockets, I think something else that you saw tonight, Garrison Matthews, again, just played a spectacular game but I think tonight is going to be really good for a guy like him because he took some ill-timed shots tonight I'm not going to call them bad shots they were just shots where I I in the fourth quarter where I go eh, he took ah. a heat check it yeah. was a heat check and he wasn't as hot in the fourth quarter than he was in the first half yeah so. and the thing about and the thing about that though is heat checks are like taking those kinds of shots are the difference between it's the attention to details. Like a heat check in a fourth quarter when you're in this type of game, you don't need. Missing free throws. Like things like that I think is so good for the Rockets to actually lose tonight and get their minds in a space of, oh, we're not invincible. No, you won seven in a row. That's great. But you I have a lot they of thought they were invincible. But No, no, but I'm saying when they, when they watch the film, like looking at, you know, when the coaches look at Matthews and be like, look, man, you know, we're up by two. We could have used the extra 17 seconds on the shot clock to get a better shot. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Let's see what some of our listeners have to say. We've got a live audience here on a Friday night on Spotify Green Room. We're really appreciative that you guys are choosing to spend your Friday night with us here. I'm going to go to Kenny first. Kenny, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? What's up, Kenny? Kenny, can you hear us? You're on mute, bud. Be sure to hit that unmute button, and you're now hey. off of mute. So welcome to the show. Hey. How are you? Thank you. Can you guys hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Thank you. So, Stupendously. I, so I'm I'm not the most popular guy on Rockets Twitter. I try and contribute as much as I can, but I, I just can't get away from how much this team right now with Matthews, Tate, you know, with all those guys starting, how it reminds me of the post-Capella team in the playoffs. It gets to a point where I know you don't want to start Sangoon with Wood. There's nobody in that second unit. But at some point, you have to have big guys. All great, all the great teams have big lineups. And when you start 6-4 Tate at, at power forward – it just gets it, – it, it's going to get tiring. It's going to get tough. P.J. Tucker felt that same way. It, 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 it's going to come back. Is it to a point where you, you guys were talking about, can they give Daniel Tice 10 minutes just to give a few of these guys a break? Or 
do you need to just cut and and get another big guy for that? Because you you can't start these four small guys in Christian Wood anymore. It's it's fine for like against the Hornets and these fast teams, but against the great big teams, it's it's not going to work out. Well, real quick, though, I mean, you do have to look at the fact that right now they are running on fumes with their roster, with House out, with KPJ out, with Wall being MIA. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, those guys are all just, still six foot four. Like Right, but give me a better – I mean, if you're starting Shangoon, I don't think the – I think Jeremy makes a fantastic point. I, he's a rookie. Like his conditioning is not there to start right now. I, I don't think so. I also think he is as effective as he is coming with that second unit and not necessarily going up against the other team's best big guys every single night, getting him used to the speed of an NBA game, I think is effective. And where you're going to take Tate out of the starting lineup as well as he's played the last couple no, weeks? No, 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 no. Not, I'm not taking Tate. I'm saying I, I I know he's shooting lights out, but Gary Bird's not going to start forever. And it gets to a point where you've got six foot seven Chris Middleton, six foot ten Bobby Portis, seven foot twelve Giannis. Like you know, at some point. It's like Anthony Davis and PJ Tucker all over again. Yeah, and, and the Bucks. Take. Yeah, yeah, the Bucks. The Bucks are um, the Bucks are one of the few teams that really plays like 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 a real like traditional big lineup, and it's because they have Giannis. I mean, Giannis is you know like a seven foot point guard that's playing the four. But you look at like Golden State. Golden State still runs like a similar lineup to the Rockets. Like like the. Like the starting five that we had tonight probably would have matched. I mean, I hate it doesn't like they wouldn't have matched up well with Golden State just because Golden State's so good. But size wise, yeah, and Golden State right now is the best team in the league. And look, there are some nights where you know the the size, you know, you 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 lose that size. But if you look at back at the first half, like the Rockets' lack of size actually helped them because they were able to get those open shots because of their spacing from only playing one big out there. And the Bucks made a really good second half adjustment from closing off that three point line, forcing the guys to drive where they would be met by these, by these bigs. The Bucks made that defensive adjustment. The Rockets weren't able to counter quickly enough into that game. And the way you counter that honestly is you try to go, quicker you try to get you try to force turnovers on the other end and the bucks are a team they don't commit a lot of turnovers it's why they're a really difficult team to beat and considering all of the things on paper that went against the rockets in this game to see this result tonight it's probably one of the better outcomes that you could see honestly like if you played the rockets and the bucks played 10 times I think the Bucks would win probably eight or nine of those games and some like two or three of those games or maybe four would probably end up like it was tonight. But then the other half of the wins would probably be 10, 15, 20 point wins for the Bucks. So I think that tonight is a very accurate representation of what we should see from the Rockets moving forward, because they're a team with a lot of, a, a lot of chips on their shoulder. They don't just have one little chip. They got a whole bag of Sestitos or something like that. Every single one of those guys, because they were once told that they weren't good enough to play in the NBA. And so I think that 
that is like what that's the best chance for the Rockets to win right now. So I think that is like why the Rockets went with the group that they did. But I'm glad that you brought this up, Kenny, because I do think that it warrants some discussion about it because Shengun did play really well tonight and the Bucks did play really big tonight. But and I'm and I'm not, and I'm not Steven Silas. I'm not Jeremy Silas either. But um, I think that like if I was Steven Silas and I was given that question, I think that's the way I would answer it. Yeah, and it's great now, and it's great winning now, and it's fun when you don't need about worrying about getting into the playoffs. It's just you just need just a little bit more size. Just like you said, it happened in the first quarter, and then they adjusted because with the great teams, they they slow things down to the way that they want to do it in the fourth quarter. And yeah, that's they, how these teams, whether it's the it's the Jazz, it's the Nuggets, it's the Lakers – it's the Bucks. They're with their size. They're just going to get all over you and get those tips and get those rebounds. And then it, it gets to a point where we're talking about winning. You know, should we care more about getting Paolo or that, or should we care about getting the 15 pick? Well, no, I, I think if you want to talk about Banchero, Banchero would have been a perfect guy to throw with Bobby Portis tonight. So I agree 100%. with you that they, they need another guy. But I also think that from a grand landscape, a game like tonight should make all of Rockets fan base happy. You improved your draft stock. You showed that you can play with Milwaukee. Like the, the Rockets just went toe to toe with Milwaukee without Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, your entire starting backcourt. And you were there in the fourth quarter. This is a four or five possession game difference. You know, we didn't have anybody for Giannis tonight. No one does. Chris Middleton is a monster. Like Chris Middleton, I don't think it's enough credit for how good he actually is. But, you know, they made a great pickup with a guy like Wes Matthews. Uh, Grayson Allen contributed tonight. Pat Connaughton is a good player. Like the Rockets just aren't there, but they competed tonight. And you know what? Sometimes with a team like this, you just you got to tip your hat and be like, you know what? The other team's just better. They have more talent. The Bucks have more talent. The Rockets will make adjustments. Tomorrow's a massive game for this team. I don't think we can state enough how important tomorrow night's game is for the psyche of this team moving forward. Kenny, you got any last minute take yeah. before I swap just, out speakers? Just one last thing. Once this back, right? You've got Green, you've got KPJ, and you move. Matthews and Gordon to the second team. Could an idea of Tice with those two great shooters, could that work better than how Tice has been working? Again, I just can't get over that size, but I'll let you guys continue and I'll listen and hang up. Thank you. Appreciate you, Kenny. Thanks, Kenny. I mean, when you think of Tice as well, like Tice is also kind of undersized. He's 6'8", and we're expecting him to play the five. So I don't necessarily think that that would be like the option. I mean, if if you're looking at maybe starting Shangun and you have like a five of let's say KPJ, Jalen, Tate, um, and then you put Shangun and Wood together in the first in the first unit, and then you have Gordon, Gary Bird, Armani Brooks, uh, Josh Christopher, or DJ Augustine, and then Tice in the in the five. I guess that that could also that could work because you have the shooters around Tice with that that I could see that as a potential five that could work. 
um, because you have, you know, you have those spacing for those shooters and, you mm-hmm. know, Brooks, Gordon, Gary Bird, all shooters. So I could see that as a potential uh, configuration of that five. And, and maybe after Eric Gordon is traded, if that happens this season, which I'm, you know, expecting that to happen, I do think that that could, I, I do think that could be a potential unit um, or like, and, but also then where's KJ Martin going to play. So that's another, that's another thing to add into the, into the mix. So there's, there's a lot of interesting choices. Steven Silas will be able to make. Um, but at the same time too, that's assuming everybody's going to be healthy and you know, you can't assume yeah. anything about health in the NBA. So I think that is something that we should explore a little bit more um, yeah. as the season goes on. I think real quick on that too. I think it's, noticeable that when Daniel Tice was successful in Boston, he's a, he played, he's a dirty, you know, he's a go get the rebound type. Tice was a small ball five and right. He's a small ball five, but he's not made to play on the perimeter. I think if the lineup you just described, putting him on that rod or on that, uh, in that group, he would be forced to play down low where I think he's most effective. But I also think that one thing to take a look at is, in his time in Dallas uh, and in Houston, has Steven Silas ever had to create a offensive system based on a true back to the basket big man? Cause I don't think he has. I mean, if you look at his time in Dallas, the offense was centered around Luca and, right. and Porzingis is like a secondary. Right. Um, and then you look now um, and the offense I mean, who's the offense centered around now? Well, um, it's, it's Christian Wood. So I think that is something to explore a little bit more that people don't talk about enough is that Tice is a back-to-the-basket type of guy. Silas has never had a system that is built, not built, but incorporated a big man playing near the basket. Because when he was in Dallas, you know, you had Porzingis who lived on the outside, very Christian yeah. Wood-esque. So – that's something that I think needs to be explored by Silas because I think they may have to figure out a way to get him more involved if they move Shangun into the starting lineup. Yeah, I think I don't think Shangun is moving the starting lineup anytime soon, unfortunately. And it's and it's not uh, it's not anything against him. I think it's I think it's just simply the fact that the fouls the fouls is the reason why he's not starting, and the conditioning is why he's not playing more. That to me is ultimately why Shingun is only getting 16 minutes. It's a good point. No, it's, yeah. Let's it's bring up another speaker. Let's bring up Adam. Sure. Adam, friend of the show. Welcome to the Dream Take once again. How are you? What's up, Adam? Doing well. How are you guys doing tonight? Terrible, hey, man. man. Did you not see the game? Come on, bro. Shut up. Shut up. What's going on, Adam? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a glass half full approach to tonight's right. game. Thought, it's yeah, a glass thought, half full night for us too. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was ninety ninety percent positive at, at the very least. Uh, it was good to see Armani Brooks just over the course of the season just improve his defense. And we have a long history with the Rockets in the in the kind of form of players like Troy Daniels that are supposed sharpshooters that just can't. They're just immense net negatives on defense that they can't stay on the floor. It's great to see Brooks and Matthews in a, in a way that are able to kind of hold their own on defense and in Matthews case, excel in, in many instances also being able to kind of provide the spacing that we need um, 
And obviously, I think over this winning streak, we've I think been about 40% from three, which has been a, a big key to to our winning. Um, obviously, uh, and as his athleticism, Brooks' athleticism has been really surprising. It's been a kind of a, a big positive to me. I, I just didn't see that um, uh, last year and kind of earlier this year. I, th- I thought it was an, I thought it was really I thought it was great that we didn't have to kind of default and go play Tice tonight on Giannis. Tate, KJ Martin, Shingun played against him. Obviously, they got in some foul trouble, but not not extreme foul trouble. Uh, a couple of interesting possessions where KJ Martin was was playing against Giannis. Obviously, there's a seven inch you know height difference there, but he definitely was able to kind of give Giannis. He didn't he didn't give him trouble necessarily, but he competed against him. You could see that he was still his athleticism kind of, you know, still caused Giannis a little bit of trouble. And that gave me some hope for KJ Martin being able to play the four um, in future years for us and being able to kind of, you know, be a, be a kind of a small ball four for us again with, with Wood and Shingun possibly. Um, yeah. Hey, Jeremy, where did uh, Armani Brooks go to school? college he went to the university of houston mike oh okay just asking for a friend uh armani played well armani played well tonight like tonight was the first time i've seen aggressive armani going towards the bucket and i love that because i think that's something that garrison matthews is gonna have to improve on eventually is driving to the bucket and not being so reliant on the three ball uh KJ Martin is an interesting guy to me. He has been for the past two years, Jeremy and Adam. I I just, I don't know where he fits. Like, I don't know. I want him to be a part of this team. You know, are you guys okay with him just being a bench guy? He's like the Josh Christopher of, of the, of the bigs right now. Yeah. Kind of. Cause I mean, look, I mean, look beyond this year, right? I'm assuming everybody here wants KPJ to stay as the one. Jalen Green is your two. Christian Wood and Shangoon in the front court. I don't want to get rid of Jay Sean Tate. Like I just, you know, I think KJ Martin is going to be what he is now, like a twelve, yeah, energy provider in the front court, yeah, defensive first kind of guy. Yeah, like. I guess I'm okay he, with he that. He really worked into his role, and I think that that is incredibly important for a lot of these guys. And Armani Brooks has also um, has also done that, and I think that's why we're seeing the best basketball from Armani Brooks than we've seen in his two years here because he has a more defined role now than he's ever had, and he has been able to improve his defense to be worthy of starting. And Armani's the kind of guy where you need him. Like he gets you in a rhythm. He gets your team in a rhythm. And I think that's why he's been so effective in the starting lineup is because he's able to give you like the first play of the game. They went to Armani. Armani hit the three. You're already up 3-0. And they they just he's someone that doesn't need a whole lot of warming up. So that's why he he's good in the starting lineup, at least for now, while Kevin Porter and Jalen Green are on the bench. But I think with Armani, his defense has really taken a step up. And I think it's it's easy to forget because you look at Kevin Porter and we've been we've been bullish about his defensive improvements. We look at Christian Wood and his rebounding improvements. And we have seen these guys kind of grow. It's easy to forget about a guy like Armani Brooks that is 
slowly but surely improving. But over the last couple of weeks, that uh, progression has been um, has been really quick. And it's almost like and you look at this guy like Armani. That's not the same player that was there two week two weeks ago. No, no, he absolutely isn't. And that and that's what's so special about this team is is you look at you look at where they were when they lost seven in a row. And you never would have guessed that they would have won seven in a row in the same calendar year. And I think because these players, you're actually seeing them grow and learn from their mistakes. And that's something that it was hard to look at when they were losing seven in a row because they hadn't proven anything really up to that point. But now you you really have seen growth. And I think Armani Brooks might be the most improved out of any of them. And that's that's saying a lot because a lot of guys have improved over the course of the last two weeks of the last, you know, since the since the season began. But Armani Brooks, in my opinion, has been the biggest and sharpest improvement of them all. And in many ways, I think you have you have to thank Garrison Matthews for that. I think that was a wake up call for him. You know, and he and he compliments Garrison Matthews really well. And Garrison Matthews, you know, those two fit each other really well and they do a lot of the same things but Garrison Matthews being as deadly on the perimeter it opens up the it opens up the lane for a guy like Armani Brooks who does have a little bit of that athleticism because yeah like if you don't have Garrison Matthews Armani Brooks fills the Garrison Matthews role and Armani is now able to kind of be they're kind of honestly trying to mold him into what Eric Gordon is and when Eric Gordon leaves Armani Brooks can step into that role and be that guy that that can be good on the defensive end, can drive if he needs to, can hit that three when you need it. And I think that is that's kind of what I'm seeing in his game now that I have kind of, you know, expressed my feelings out loud. Um, so, yeah, that that's, I think, what they're looking for from Armani Brooks. They're wanting less Garrison Matthews and more Eric Gordon. And it's I mean, that's a big surprise to be able to. Think yeah. That no, I I was the last Matthews. person to see it coming. Yeah, to be able to see Garrison Matthews and Armani Brooks playing at the same time, and still us to be able to kind of hang with teams and and outplay teams, that's been that's been a. Because Armani's defense has been that good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Garrison Matthews is a, is also not a liability on defense because of his ability to draw charges, and that's something that he picks up from Jay Sean Tate. That's also so like all of these guys are basically just like almost clones of each other. Maybe one has a little bit more of an attribute than another, but I think that's why this winning streak lasted as long as it did because all of these guys, what do they have in common? They are all undrafted. They all were told, they all played elsewhere before they came here and were basically told they weren't good enough. And they all have, you know, those Tostitos on the shoulder and they're all just chilling in their, you know, chip and dip. And that is, you know, it's, they complement each other really well and they all play with that same hundred on every possession kind of mindset. And I think that is why the Rockets were able to push through and win all of these games within the last two weeks, even over some of these teams that they simply had no business in, in hanging with. I think the Hornets game, the Hornets are a better team. The Bulls game, the Bulls are a better team. Uh, you know, you look at, uh, I mean, the Nets game is a little, little bit different simply because they they weren't as as strong but like yeah all of these wins that they've had over the last two weeks because they all play with that same kind of 
passion, that same drive, that same energy, and they're all feeding off of each other with that energy. We went from maybe the one of the top, one of the bottom two or three worst shooting teams to one of one of the better shooting teams over this last stretch, and I think that's really sustainable with Brooks, Matthews, Gordon's been shooting it well. Um, it's the same thing, and I in, in a way, I mean, I. I like the Mavericks would, would kill to have any of those guys, you know, just yeah. any kind of shooting. I mean, they were depending well, on the, Bullock, you know. Well, the Mavericks can't have any of those guys. So you know what? They're out of luck. And and I and you guys you guys made a good point about KJ Martin. I, I have a little bit of a different so I, I think his peak comp for KJ Martin to me is is Miles Bridges. They you know, they both came into the league with just crazy athleticism and not much else. And the thing that's I I think that's catapulted Miles Bridges, you know, even um, last year and and more so this year, and I think this applies to Jalen Green a little bit. With his probably comp would be for me uh, Jason Tatum. It's been it's been the ball handling. You know, when you tighten up that you know your your dribble, and you're able to kind of you know get get the guy backing up a little bit. You see a lot of times with Jalen Green, guys are just pressed up on him because his 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 dribble is just really loose at this point in time. And, and if, you know, if, if KJ Martin is able to handle the ball a little better, it opens up driving lanes for him. And obviously kind of the main thing we'd want for any of these players is just to become a, you know, a 40% three point shooter, but that doesn't happen overnight. It takes multiple seasons. Generally, you know, they, they got to work at it, but ball handling is something that I, I hope they're working on. If you, if you look at kind of Jalen green, you know, his, you know, a lot of a lot of what he does is just kind of right to left, left to right crossovers, and it's just really wide. And you know, so it gives it gives the opponent a time, you know, a chance to to kind of recover on those. He needs to be able to have that ball in a string a little bit more, get to the point, be able to turn the corner. Um, that's that's a, that's a big thing that that we saw with with like Jason Tatum. You know, first his first few years in the league. A lot of athleticism, but he couldn't drive by anybody. And I, I think that's something that will really open up Jalen Green's game. Um, you know, and I, I hope that's something they're working on. But that would be the one thing I'd really want to see kind of the coaching staff and the you know team development kind of focus on. I think you hit the nail on the head with that Bridges comp. I think I think that is exactly kind of how Bridges' career has gone. And the Rockets would be really lucky if if KJ's career trajectory was similar. Um, I think that KJ's role in the offense is to really help other guys uh, get their shots and help help open things for them. And I don't necessarily feel exa- hundred. Oh, excuse me, I don't feel hundred percent confident with with Miles Bridges as as or not Miles Bridges, KJ Martin as like a ball handler. But at the same time, as well, you know, KJ Martin is like your third or fourth best ball handler when you're on the court most of the time it's because the Rockets has so many guards and so I think maybe that is another way to kind of fix all of these issues because if you get KJ Martin there you do add that uh, you add that athleticism into that starting five and I don't know if his defense is is 100% there but I think maybe if you incorporate that maybe if your end game is like KPJ, Jalen, Jayshon Tate uh, KJ Martin and Christian Wood, then you're looking at that, and then you have size in that in that first unit, while also having someone in the second unit 
with Shangun able to kind of, you know, facilitate the offense as a as a big as a big facilitator and someone that has size in in the second unit. So that is something that also is that's something that's also feasible. Um, but at the same time, it takes time with all of this. And with KPJ and Jalen being out, you know, when they come back, there's going to be some uh, adjustments with them and kind of reintro- re- reintroducing them into the offense and into the into the flow of the game. And I do think that when you get to the latter half of the season, the Rockets will be a little bit more experimental with things like that because, honestly – you know, we never really expected the Rockets to be in this position, you know, when they lost 15 in a row. And you look at the standings, and I hate to be this guy, but they have a shot. Like, they, they, they it's within striking distance. And I'm not saying they should, you know, oh, fight for that 10th spot and they should really make sure they get that 10th spot. They should play the games and see how it goes. And, hey, if you get to that 10th spot, great. If you don't, that's okay too. But I think where the Rockets are, everyone is – everyone is progressing at their own rate. And I think the reason why they've won all these games is because enough players were progressing enough to where they could contribute in these big moment games. You see, um, you see Armani Brooks, you see Josh Christopher, you see uh, Christian Wood, Alper and Shangun had a big night tonight. So like every guy is progressing at their own pace and there's not enough guys that are progressing enough to where the Rockets are, you know, for sure, definitely going to be, contending for that number 10 you're probably looking at next season where they they could have a legitimate shot maybe the following season at at worst um but yeah everyone's gonna be progressing at their own rate it's gonna depend on injuries and and just playing time and just you know overall just picking up the knowledge of the game and i think kj made such a big stride last year that i'm hopeful that there will be another big stride from him this season as well. You remember like this time in, in the last season, KJ was like barely playing. So, and he was going to the G league and and he was in the G league bubble earlier in, in 2021, 2021 KJ Martin was in the G league bubble. People forget that. And I, I, I forgot it. So like there's going to, it's going to take some time, but like the good thing is the Rockets have that time. So it's, it's all good. It's all good in the neighborhood. I, I do wonder eventually at some point to put a bow on this, Will they have to decide who they want, either Jay Sean Tate or KJ Martin Jr.? Like, I just, I feel like that decision is coming at some point within the next two years. Whether it's a trade that they have to include one of those guys as a sticking point, or they just deem that they can only develop one of those guys, I think that that decision's coming. And I don't know. I, mean, which, I don't know which way. It's a long go. time from now, and so much can change in that time period. And you know, there might be another guy that they go get in the draft that might, you know, enter themselves into that equation as well. So, so let me ask you. Let me ask you this real quick. If you had to choose one to keep for the next ten years, who are you keeping? I see. Jay Sean Tate has the lower. Um, KJ Martin is the higher ceiling, but Jay Sean Tate has the higher floor. And I think Jay Sean Tate can be an all NBA defender. And I don't know. It's tough. I think there is a world where they can keep both of them. I do. Um, But at the same time, Mike, you you just said it's two years from now. There's so much time. So many things will happen between now and when that, when that bridge, we cross it. So 
it, today, if I had to make a choice today, you have to cut one. I'm cutting KJ because I think that Jay Sean Tate is a guy that is going to be a starter on a championship team someday. And I hope that's in Houston. And I think that if he were to go elsewhere, he would be on a contender and he would start on a championship team. I think Jay Sean Tate, you need his archetype on a championship team someday. And I'd like for him to be in Houston because we get him for so cheap as it is. And he's, he's already really good in just year two. There, there are a couple interesting factors with that, right? Because Jay Sean Tate's already 26. Like, we think of him as a 21-year-old, you know, like, because we've only had him for a year. But, you know, so a 26-year-old versus a 20-year-old, we don't know what KJ Martin's going to, you know, he may make two big strides, you know, can, based on kind of his improvement from last year to this year. Um, also, Jay Sean Tate just made, you know, he's on a lot of people's radars, you know, and he keeps playing like this. He averages, you know, 15 and 8. You know, a lot of people are going to – he's going to be on a lot of people's radars. You know, he may want a little bit more money than the Rockets are able to offer. Who who knows? You know, the decision may be made for us, but it's a good problem to have. Yeah, um, 100%. But also, too, the age thing doesn't matter too much to me because the way KJ plays and the way Jay Sean Tate plays, like Jay Sean Tate can play this way when he's 36. I don't know if – KJ Martin can play this way when he's 30. Right. So I don't like, but that's, but that's their, that's what makes them so unique. And that's what makes them, you know, part of the, that's what, that's why I think they can coexist on the same roster because although they play similar positions, they play very different. And when you have a team, you want to create as many different possible ways to beat you. And KJ brings a different way than Jay Sean Tate does. So I think as of like right now, like this conversation, you know, like we just mentioned something 10 years down the line. So like so much can change from now and then. I think talking about it now, it it does like, it is, you know, interesting to play devil's advocate. And it's kind of, you know, I guess it's kind of what we asked you to do, Adam. And, uh, you know, you're coming to the show with it. So we appreciate it. So um, I hope we've answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, fair enough. Is there any last minute thing one, before one, we uh, yeah, hop yeah. off and sign on? Yeah, one, one last thing that um, you guys talked about. So, I, I, you know, during the losing streak, I, you know, I think we had basically um, we were like the highest paced team in the league. We about had about, we, were, we were only scoring 100 points a game, right? Averaging 22, 23 turnovers in the in this in this winning streak. And even tonight, I, you know, we've, we've, we've become more of a middle of the road pace team and obviously kind of that, you know, lesser possessions, but also kind of only 15, 16 turnovers a game. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens once KPJ and Jalen Green come back. Cause obviously they tend towards me you know, being a higher pace team um, with, with those guys in the backcourt. Um, and, and uh, I think something to mitigate that would maybe, I'm okay with Jalen Green coming off the bench and Matthew staying in the starting lineup. I don't think that's Ooh. a demotion. Ooh, I think yeah. that's, I, I think that, I think, I think I'd be okay with that. Um, I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. It I don't should, think it, will happen. it shouldn't happen. To be honest, I think, I think when the traded line passes, the starting five will be KPJ, Jalen, when all healthy, KPJ, Jalen, uh, Gary Bird, Jay Sean Tate, and Christian Wood. And then I think whoever is traded for Eric Gordon will come off the bench with Josh Christopher, with KJ Martin, and with Shengun. We, we probably need to 
to trade David Nawaba. So I, I'd like Jason, Josh Christopher to get his minutes going forward. See, I think – I just don't know if David Nawaba's played enough to warrant any trade value. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily play him now, just kind of flash him. But, you know, it, it's it'll be interesting because he's, he's got also a- got some decent value to keep as a good vet guy off the bench. Like, I'm not just cutting David Nawaba just to cut him. Like, he has value to this roster, especially if you're trading or getting rid of Daniel House. Yeah, like, if you look at this, like, David, if David Nawaba's, if you're only getting, like, a second-round pick for David Nawaba, you might as well try to keep him because, you know, not every second-round pick is is going to be that crucial. And he still has time to, like, he has three years on his contract. So, like, the same situation the same situation could come up next year and you could make like, and there could be more uh, space in the lineup for him. Who knows? Um, just kind of like, I feel like he's just gotten a bad deal in terms of just playing currently. But at this point, like, like we mentioned in the last show, like DJ Augustine, if DJ Augustine is getting traded for a second round pick, you might want to look at that and say, well, what does DJ Augustine bring off the court? And is that, you know, is, all do the pros outweigh the cons. And if it's only for a second round pick, it might not necessarily outweigh the pros uh, or, or the cons because, um, you know, I don't necessarily think the goal for the Rockets is to get every single possible pick possible, like what OKC is doing. I think their goal is to, because they already have four first round picks on the roster right now from that are rookies. And they're about to add two. And possibly a third if they get a first round pick for Eric Gordon. So if you're talking about seven first round picks in two years, it's a lot. So I think there there's definitely a lot of decisions that Rafael Stone in the in the front office is gonna have to make. But frankly, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions because they're they're gonna be very difficult decisions. But um Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always great to talk with you. Appreciate you. All right, so Tomorrow night we got the Grizzlies on deck. Mike, what are you looking for? Man, just continue this the energy that this team has, man. Like we we talked about this before. Like the vibes are great right now. Like keep that momentum. Like keep the you know it, it's being told to me via the Twitter verse that Christian Wood advocating for uh, Shangun to get more minutes. Um, I, I just I like a lot what I'm seeing from the guys right now uh, in the wake of you know this you know seven and one in their last eight games. So continue the pace, continue to get good shots up. I think we took too many bad shots tonight, um, ill time shots, I guess I should say, as I referred to before. Ill advised, yeah, yeah, ill advised shots, not terrible shots, but just you know, take that extra second and, and assess what you have on the court uh, and continue the defensive effort. I thought the defense was good tonight. I don't think it was great. Um, and I think we'll be just fine. I expect us to win tomorrow night. I'm calling it right now. I think we win tomorrow. Yeah. I, I wish I was as optimistic as you were Mike. Um, but I just, I think the legs are going to be really tired going into tomorrow. Um, it's, it's a difficult turnaround. It's, I think, Look, I think with the first Memphis game, that was also the second half of a back-to-back. I don't know why they put both Memphis games that were on the road on the second half of a back-to-back. Really doesn't help the Rockets. Um, and the Rockets lost by a lot last time, but I also think that was 
a part of the schedule. Now, I don't think they're going to lose by 30 tomorrow night, but I do think that the Rockets need to bring their own energy. And that's something that, you know, has been easy during this winning streak because most of these wins have come at home. And going into a place like Memphis, team that's hot right now, has a good crowd usually, especially now that they're doing pretty well. I think bringing their own energy is going to be important, especially on this road trip that they have now coming up because not like, I think it's what, seven of the next eight games are away from Toyota Center. So the the schedule for the Rockets coming up, they've got a lot of games and not a lot of time. So you got, you got Memphis tomorrow. Yeah, Atlanta on Monday, Cleveland on Wednesday, all these games on the road. They come back for one game Ugh. at home on the 16th, which is next Thursday, against the Knicks. Then you have the next five games on the road. You go to Detroit, go to Chicago, go to Milwaukee, uh, second half of a back-to-back in Indiana, and that's an hour earlier on the tip. So you're playing two start times in less than 24 hours, and then you get the Hornets before you come back home for the end of the year with the Lakers and the heat. So I think the big, the big key on this road, because look, the, the thing that, that fueled the losing streak was they were playing on the road a lot and they, they were playing more on the West coast. Now it's the East coast and the teams that they're playing, they're playing some of the best teams in the East. They got Milwaukee. They've got, um, you know, they've got, I think it's, they got Atlanta. I think Atlanta's pretty good. They, they definitely play a lot better at home than they do on the road. So they got to bring their own energy. That That's the big key. Yeah. Here. And I think that, I hope that with this winning streak, they've learned how to do that. Um, and hopefully they can, they can create it on their own. That that's, I think going to be the biggest key for me on not just, not just tomorrow night's game, but for the whole rest of this, uh, this stretch of and, games. Where and I, playing, and I think, you know, yeah, and next I, games on the road. Yeah, and I think real quick, you talked about they're going to have tired legs tomorrow. The the roster that they have, I think this is a really interesting dynamic of, yes, they have older legs. Or not older legs, sorry. They got young legs. That's what I'm saying. Sorry. So they've got – where does having the young legs on the roster come and meet a tough schedule? You know, I think they can actually use that to their advantage if they were fully healthy. Um, you know, so I think that they got to just continue to to show up the way they've been showing up. And I think guys like Garrison Matthews are going to not allow this team to falter. You know, mm-hmm. like I think when you have the guys like a Garrison Matthews and an Armani Brooks who can put up points in a hurry, you're not going to get blown out of a ton of games. You're not going to see that very much with this team, I don't feel like, the rest of the year. You know, I think they'll – They'll definitely lose more games than they win. They're going to be the ultimate trap game. That That's what the Rockets should be this year. Go in every night, be the ultimate trap game, and trap some of those teams that you shouldn't uh, that you shouldn't beat. Absolutely. Tonight they almost trapped Milwaukee. The fact that they did that makes me feel confident that they'll be able to do that, hopefully some of these games on this road trip. Uh, but I think this is a good place to park the Rocket ship for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of The Dream Take. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Dream Take and at DreamShakeSBN. You can also head to the website, thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets, on SBNation.com. Give us a like on Facebook if you're over there, and we'll be back. Are we doing a show tomorrow, Mike? Because we've been talking about this back and forth. Uh, It's going to be difficult. Saturday night. It's going to be difficult. We'll figure it out. How about this? How about this? What if instead of not doing a show tomorrow, 
we give you all a bonus episode next week with Adam Clanton of 790. Oh. How does that sound? Uh, okay. Yeah, so we're going to have a busy week next week as well with the show on Monday, a show on Wednesday, show on Thursday. We might do a show on Tuesday with Adam Clanton. We're, we're talking with him now, and we're going to get a show next week. Tuesday is probably the likeliest date just because it's the only off day uh, during that week. And then, obviously, you have Saturday uh, against Detroit next week. So how about that? If we, um, we, we want to do every game, and we usually can. I don't think we've missed a game in the last two seasons. But if we miss tomorrow, I think we gotta give. I think we gotta give the listeners something extra special uh, in in return. For sure. And holiday party tomorrow. But we'll see what we'll see what we can do because I really don't feel like breaking that streak. That's an impressive streak you and yeah, I have going. Look, if if the holiday party gets if the Grinch shows up to the holiday party, and we get we find time to get a show in, we'll do it. Um, but we hope that we can. If we don't. At least you'll know why there isn't a show. Absolutely. Fair enough. All right. Be sure to follow my co-pilot on Twitter, Mr. Michael Brown at BSW podcast underscore MB. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Dream Take. And until next time, go Rockets. Most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.